Welcome to the CAMCAST. The CAM Project is the take action nonprofit organization to inspire, influence, and impact kids and teens worldwide. Your CAMCAST host interviews older teens, parents, mentors, and specialists, providing tips, advice, education, inspiration, and a supportive community to kid and teen entrepreneurs. Introducing owner of Actionista Live and co founder of the CAM Project, your host, Samara Beth Hurley. Ladies and gentlemen, I am so excited today because we have yet another clubhouse friend of mine. His name is Jason Wright, and he started the Oddball Foundation. Jason got in touch with me because we have some name in common. Uh, When he heard about the CAM Project, he immediately DM'd me on Instagram and said, I have to tell you, I found such a connection with what you were saying. So Jason, welcome to the CAM Project's CAMcast. Hi, Zamara. How's it going? Good. Thank you for being here with us today. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. It's a, it's a wonderful day. I'm super excited that you're having me on the show and yeah, very happy to be here. Now, where are you located? I live in greater Boston area, just outside of Boston, outside of Providence. You have no accent. Well, you know, actually, there's sometimes when I totally have an accent when you start, if you just said like, if you started saying something like another or like um, weather, <laughs> you know, like it's natural for that to happen <laughs> to me. But the only time I had a wicked Boston accent was when I was uh, in the hospital, actually, about six months ago. I all of a sudden, I don't know what was going on. I was coming down from a manic episode and I sounded like Matt Damon. I swear to God, it was crazy. I was like, yeah, kid, give me my medication, brother. You know, like it was crazy. And I and I was just like really just going with um. <laughs> I was just going with like this, I don't know, it was, it was crazy. Like my man, this mania that I experienced, it was, it was unlike anything that I had experienced before. So how about them apples? Yeah. How about them? But yeah, I was like, I got a number. I like them apples. So we're definitely going to get into mental health and everything that you do um, as a specialist and how you have created this amazing foundation and how you're raising money and you've written a book on poetry. You're a poet, you're an artist, you're helping other artists and poets share. Um, it's quite impressive. So I do have to ask you though, since we're talking Boston, Boston, how do you pronounce oddball? <laughs> oddball, oddball. Yeah. You just, no accent, no accent, no accent. Oddball magazine, <laughs> oddball. There you go. So what are your favorite clubhouse rooms? Um, you know what? I was in this room the other day that was so much fun. I was in with uh, one of my friends, Lizanna, from the Oddball Foundation. And it was uh, it was chilling with the oldies. It was so much fun. It was just uh, led by, I don't know his name. I think it's, uh, I, I, won't, I don't know his name, but uh, he was leading a great podcast with like music in the background. And we were talking about all sorts of like just no pressure situations and talk and and it was great it was such a great vibe the other one i also really appreciate are just any poetry room where i can come and rip the mic i, I love those those rooms you're gonna rip the mic for us here today a little poetry action yeah absolutely I, I would love to i love to i wrote a poem specifically for this podcast i love it i am flattered do you want to start with it or you want to do it a little later yeah. You know what? Let's do it. How about we do, I got like a couple of poems here. So how about we do the poem that I just wrote? Okay, go for it. All right, great. All right, cool. It's called A Poem for the Survivor in You. Look up. If you can look up, you can get up. Les says it's all in the mindset. Look, look up. Even if you try for the moon and fail, you will land among the stars. Les Brown says that it's all in the mindset. I want to tell you a little tale. It was a man with dreams, big dreams, so much dreams that he started to lose sleep on those dreams. 
So many dreams that he started to dream those dreams while he went through his day. So many dreams his mind started to scream, you are the one. So many dreams, so many dreams. His dreams were peaceful. They wanted to teach you. They were too big, too full, scared a lot of people. He went too far in normal society, made too big a statement. So when he was labeled, diagnosed a medicated patient, he spent his time trying to understand his mind. He wrote, drew pretty pictures, went to bed on time, went to groups, learned he had an illness, learned he was Icarus, and his mind was a step between brilliance and madness. They told him, take this prescription as it is written. One at seven, make sure with food, go to sleep, watch your mood. So the man with big dreams was now silenced a bit. He had big dreams, but now they were muddled with confusion. His mindset dimmed, his appetite increased. His mood barely went up, the walk-in deceased. He would go to groups and would let it all out in therapy sessions, wondering where the break in his mind was and why he needed medicine. His senses were dulled, his brain erased, memory gone, debased, and misplaced. His joy was clouded, and those dreams were long fading. He was a walking patient. One day he woke up, read Les Brown, heard it in his head, if you can look up, you can get up. Realized these little band-aid medications couldn't mess with his makeup. So though medicated and dealing with the shit that he faced day to day, he began to learn. He began to meditate. He began to speak up, say, yeah, I'm an advocate. They gave me a diagnosis. Can't silence my sound that comes out of my mouth. You with me? Soon there were other advocates and places that accepted him for his brilliance, for his madness, for his everything. His dreams began to wake up like society all of a sudden did a 360. That his mind was like spray painting graffiti on what the world should be. His dreams were now the world's reality, and though he suffered, there was no more apathy. He was going to get it, go for it. He was going to shoot for the moon. Even if he fell, he would still land among the stars. That fable is true. It's the survivor in you, all of you. Not just me, but you too. You and you and you. The beaten down, medicated victim, a diagnosis, don't let it stop you. Be true to your vision. Believe those gifts you got to be true. Let that manic energy come out in your paintings and your dancing and your running the marathon and your painting the sun. In your hip-hop and guitar strums, your snapshot photography, your mind when you speed read, your art, your poetry, your master's degree, your conversations, your comedy. Let that trauma of thinking big and being silenced not turn to violence but defiance and walk with your head up. Because if you can look up, you can get up. And even if you shoot for the moon, you will land with the stars. Wow. That is unbelievable, Jason. Yeah, I wrote that. Um... Two hours ago. Unbelievable. You just heard that? <laughs> I have a weekly column on Oddball Magazine. So I have a jagged thought every Tuesday that um, I have a deadline for one o'clock. So oh, my goodness. I put something together. For everybody listening, oddballmagazine.com is the name of his website. And it has so much powerful information in there. I would love to have a printed version of that framed and on my wall. That is amazing. And we are creating a the CAM project and together with Whisket with Flava is creating a planner for it's not just for kid and teenpreneurs. It's really an inspirational planner to help everyone. It's a 2022 calendar. And we have kidpreneurs and teenpreneurs doing drawings of them doing their their businesses, running their businesses that go onto the tabs of the calendar and throughout the book. I would love to be able to insert a poem of someone that you're familiar with from your foundation or through the books that you have and see if there's anybody under the age of 20. So it's really 19 and younger. If anyone has any powerful poems or anything, art, I know you collect art as well, that might want to share that. They will receive a free planner and um, be part of the CAM project, which is a really important journey to be part of. So I thank you for that. 
And I hope that you have someone you can refer to us or multiple people to refer to us. You know, Samara, when you were talking, I just thought of, I'm going to shout out Massasoit Community College right now, uh, the Safe Coalition Peers. So I, I just did this conversation with the Safe Coalition. They have a peer network. They have youth leaders. So definitely I can talk to them about that. And what they're called, the, the, the Safe Coalition is uh, Substance Abuse, Family Education, and Family Empowerment. It's just such a great organization. They're in uh, Massachusetts, greater Boston area too. Uh, and then the other one I can, I, I just really want to shout out because I'm going to be working with them uh, today after this podcast is Performix, which is a creative club in, Ma in Massasoit Community College. And they're also youths and college, college cats. So I'm sure they would love to be a part of that. Yeah. So shout out to them. And I would love to connect them with you. Definitely. Love that. And to those who are listening, we'll also put that information into our show notes too. You speak, you share, you feel, and you speak of this mental health stigma and mental health issues that you've obviously, um, from the power of your voice, have maybe suffered at one time and now have learned to live and grow and become the person that you are today. So in strengthening your, your inner self and helping others at the same time, which is so, so powerful. So tell us a little bit of background about about your, your childhood and, and what you struggle with. When I was 15 years old, I'm not going to blame everything on just like life events and stuff, but I experienced a divorce in my family, which at the same time I was being diagnosed. I felt like, I don't know why, but the two and two went together. So all of a sudden I was diagnosed ADD and I didn't really think of it as a big deal at the time because in the nineties it was driven to distraction with this big book that had just came out and it was like, you know, it was kind of like the buzz thing to, you know, this new thing about ADD, you know, I kind of wanted to be a, be different in a way. When I went and talked to the therapist, I kind of was like, I don't know, I figured like, you know, hyperactivity disorder would be like moving my head around and not being able to talk to the therapist. So I was kind of like playing it up a little bit, you know? Yeah. Because honestly, I wanted the medications. I was like, yeah, the, these, these things are going to help me uh, study better. You know, I'm, I'm going to be able to concentrate in math class, you know? But when I was put on that medication, two things happened. A little bit before that, I started oddball, and we'll get into that. But when I was on um, a medication, like a stimulant, like Ritalin, at the age that I was at, my brain wasn't ready for it yet. And when I started doing the normal things that teenagers do, which is smoking weed or listening to Bob Marley or whatever it is, or and then when I got to college and I was like, the Thursday night was like frat night, you know, you go to drink beers and stuff. and and then what do you do afterwards? You smoke, right? So smoking pot was like a daily thing for a while. And then it started getting weird for me though. You know, my medication like ran out while I was in school and I was really a far away from a pharmacy because I was, I don't know, my, my pharmacy was in my hometown. I was 50 miles out, you know, all of a sudden things started getting really vibrant, you know, some really vibrant, uh, everything awakened for me. And it wasn't even a drug thing at this point. It was like, yeah, my mind had been opened up from like some drugs, you know, whatever. But my mind began to open up to a different level and the energy increased. My mind increased. My thoughts increased. All the things that I was doing was increasing. Everything you can think of was increasing. I ended up having what they ended up calling a manic episode at the end of my freshman year of college. That was different. That was different. Because all of a sudden... It wasn't fun and games anymore. It wasn't ADD. It wasn't ADHD. It was, now it was bipolar. And then, you know, now all of a sudden I'm like straddled with Depakote. 
and um, some like heavy duty medications, you know? So all of a sudden, you know, my waist grows bigger. I just dull down. I just become completely numb to the world. And now I start having like these. And so I go, I finally get my shit back together and I go back to go back to school. But all of a sudden now I'm hearing voices, not hearing voices, but I'm thought broadcasting. I'm saying thoughts, people are reacting to them and it's embarrassing and it's difficult because I'm just, I'm just a kid. I'm 20 right now, like 2021. And I'm starting to have these embarrassing thoughts and I'm thinking people can hear them, right? That ended up escalating and it get it ended up getting to be scary. Like I was the only one who was experiencing this kind of stuff. I ended up leaving school again. This time I went back to school for a little bit. I came back. All of a sudden things were different. I must have been on a new set of medications or something, or I had just met this new girl and, and things were like different and you know, I was starting to get some confidence and everything. So what happens when you get confident? For me, when I got confident, I ended up <laughs> ended up going manic again. So when I went manic this time, this time around, it wasn't as so much fun. Now it was scary, you know, it was a scary mania that I experienced. I got hospitalized for it. It was the first time I'd ever been hospitalized. That was uh, terrifying, really. But I got out of that hospital. Uh, and throughout this, I haven't even talked about Oddball Magazine and, and how at the whole time I was forming Oddball. You know, Oddball was when I was 15, right? And we, we made a zine. It was cool. It was community. But as I got older and I got sick, and I will say I was sick because I was, Oddball became my fucking identity. It became like who I was. It became all I could do. It became the only thing that I was passionate about. And it was, all, and I used to draw these three balls um, and, and write the name sense on walls and stuff and books and notebooks and there's notebooks and notebooks full of this. And every time I'd have a messed up time out in the community, I'd come back and write about it or I'd come and play some music or I would write about it. I would just write about it. I wrote down my whole experience. And if you were to look at my notebooks, there's like, I got about like 5,000 poems that are unpublished that are just. I'm staring at a book right now that I wrote at McLean Hospital called The Journal of a Madman goes and that, that catches you up on oddball. So when I had that manic episode, right, I got back, I had a depressive episode, which is pretty sad. You know, you know, you just all of a sudden you're on more medications and now you're like you're on like a medication like wrist roll where your thoughts are like so up high, up high in your head that you can't even like it's like it's not in your brain anymore. It's just like way up there. You know, anyway, I go back to school. I'm on a different set of medications. By this time, I'm not allowed on school because, you know, when you have mania in school, it's a little weird, right? So I had a mania and I got back to school. I met some friends. One of my friends is still my one of my best friends. And I played music with him over the weekend. That's why my voice is like this, because we were screaming and it was amazing to scream because we were playing punk music and it was just amazing to get that shit out of me. Right. So anyway. All right. So I meet him. We become really good friends. Um, I start working at a movie theater. What do you know? I start going manic again. This time I'm I'm like, all right, I'm going to go back to school. I'm going to get myself straight. I'm going to go back to school. So I go up to the hospital. I get I get hospitalized because I'm like doing this. On, I'm like intentionally doing this. All right. They put me on some medications that are way out of my out of my caliper. OK, so I get out of that hospital again. This time I'm sleeping in like the doorway of this. Like it was called the Yellow House in, in Salem, Massachusetts. It's like this little spot, and the cat used to sleep with me. I had no place to sleep. I was basically homeless. Anyway, I start going manic. I end up walking on the highway the next day. I didn't sleep the night before. I end up walking on the highway. I walked 20, 26 miles on the highway. 26 miles. That's a marathon. 26 miles on the highway. 
And people are like, oh, he wasn't wearing shoes. I'm like, no, I was wearing shoes. I wasn't wearing socks. Wow. So my feet were super, super duper blistered. Plus it was like sun and I was walking on the highway and Ow. I was mad because no one was picking me up. And, and all of a sudden I was just like on the highway and I'm walking, I'm talking to myself, I'm kicking rock, I'm walking down like the embankments and stuff. I'm surprised I didn't get hit. So I ended up going to McLean Hospital. I basically walked myself there. I walked myself to this uh, place called Leahy Clinic. And I just want to get my feet checked because they were hurt. I was hobbling. You know, it's 26 miles. So I got my feet checked. And they're like, this guy's got to stay, man. He is manic as, you know, fuck. He's got to stay. They put me on a new medication. I woke up in a in, um, McLean Hospital. And I was there for two months. And while I was there for two months, I wrote the Journal of a Madman, which is unpublished. Uh, it was really anti, anti Bush at the time, <laughs> and I was like, "Oh man, this thing is so political that I can't publish it." Because I was mad, you know, I was mad at what was going on. It was two thousand one, you know, or two thousand two, and so much stuff was going on, and the world was totally changing. I get out of the hospital. I end up going back to Mansfield, where I, where I was living. That's actually where I'm from, and I end up. I ended up starting working at this this bookstore. Right. So I'm working at this bookstore as a temp and I meet this girl and I swear to God, she changed my life. And, you know, she ends up moving to California. So I end up flying over to California, you know, and we end up driving back home, you know, eventually. I mean, this is a very long story, but, you know, we drive back home. Me and her are still together. She's upstairs working. Oh. Um. I love a happy ending. <laughs> yeah. By no means is my life a happy ending, but my wife saved my life. And, you know, from there, that's where things get good. Like I went to, went to move to Somerville, uh, Massachusetts, which is the dopest spot in the world. I mean, it's right outside of Boston near Cambridge. And then I started going to Bunker Hill Community College. I ended up getting the English Award of Achievement. I started working on Oddball again. Um, from where working on Oddball, um, I got, as I said, I got the English Award of Achievement. I go over to UMass Boston. I meet one of my best friends. I go, I go to him uh, outside. I, I was just like, he had a shirt on with like two minds on it. I said, what's your shirt about? And then he started talking. I was like, I'm bipolar. He's like, I'm bipolar too. Boom. Bust best friends. So I don't know how it happened, but I, I started getting a community and then I started to become part of the poetry community in some, in, in Boston, Somerville and Cambridge. And the whole time I was building oddball the whole time. So I was just basically learning how to live and I learned to live through art, you know, and because I learned to live through art and poetry, I started doing oddball magazine online, you know, and I, I ended up met, meeting Chad Prenzo, who's my associate editor. Uh, and he's this amazing guy. Uh, he does stone soup poetry in Boston and we just became fast friends, you know, and I mean, literally, I just communicated with him two hours ago when he was putting up that poem that I just put up on the magazine. So that's a little bit about about where I'm where I come from. Wow, Jason, I just kind of want to give you a big hug right now. I feel like you <laughs> you need a big bear hug from Samara. Oh, I might be little, but I hug big. Thank you. Um, I really want to thank you for sharing that. That's such a vulnerable story. And I know you probably have told it many a time and I'm sure it's different a little. No, not to that extent. Not to that no. Really? Well, I am yeah. deeply honored. Thank you. Thank you. And I know our listeners are going to thank you because a lot of them are, I, I know bipolar people. I know people who are bipolar that are in my life. And 
I also know that the CAM project has kind of been a community of parents whose whose kids have all different disorders and genetic defects and all kinds of things that they struggle with and trying to learn what is a gift and what is something that they need to work on as a more of a challenge. And I have so many questions for you, but I kind of want to like ask now, just while we're in this moment here where parents might be thinking, oh my God, that's my kid or that's my brother or that's my my spouse or parent. So what are some things that you would advise people to look for if this is something that's resonating with them all too much? Well, two things. If it's happening to you, first of all, like I just interviewed Sasha, um, Sasha Altman de Brule on, uh, he's this major mental health advocate. He started the Icarus Project back in the day. Such an amazing interview. So please listen to that. What episode is that? Do you know? Uh, that's episode 6.5 of The Oddball Show. Yeah. Please listen to that podcast on all podcast platforms. Go ahead. Sorry to interrupt. Thanks. Mm-hmm. So anyway, like he told me how, why he started Icarus Project and he said it's, we are born with these amazing gifts, okay? Like Icarus, who was the, the guy with the, the wings, he had wax wings. And if he flew too close to the sun, he'd fall, plummet to the end of, to death, basically. Mm-hmm. So the idea of, I, they ended up landing on schizoaffective disorder, which is a nice little balance of like, hey, you have a mood, ba- mood disorder. Hey, you have a thought disorder. Boom, schizoaffective. Let's just put it all in one thing. So like sometimes you hear voices, sometimes you go manic, sometimes you can't concentrate, sometimes blah, 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 blah. So it's schizoaffective. So this is what I would say. And if you are experiencing anything like what I've experienced, first of all, I commend you because it's amazing. It's amazing to think like someone who is on a different plane might think. It's amazing to experience what not a lot of people will experience in their lives. And it doesn't have to do with anything. It's not a disorder. It's not an illness. It's a gift. And honestly, the one thing about that is learning how to harness that as your superpower. Casey from This Is My Brave, Casey Mayer said she did this thing called, um, you know, mental illness is my superpower. And honestly, honestly, 100%, if you learn to harness your gift, which is a mental illness, to be honest with you, what they call a mental illness is actually a gift. You learn because like the, the, the difficulty is, yeah, right. If I don't, if I don't sleep, I'm going to go loopy. If I'm out in a crowd and I'm overstimulated, I'm going to have a tough time. I'm going to be anxious, right? If I have too much coffee, whatever it is. But honestly, honestly, hundred percent, if you have art in your life, if you paint, if you play music, if you do poetry, if you are uh, if you build things, if you go running for five miles, because that's how you get the energy out while you're running for five miles to get your energy out, you are building your body to make it stronger, you know? And they say that, you know, 10,000 misses to perfect, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it takes 10,000 shots to, to be a perfect person, right? That's not true. Honestly, all these mistakes we make, because they are mistakes, right? Every poem is a mistake, right? It's not, it's like your brain just throwing stuff on paper and see what sticks. It is a mistake. It really is. It's like, it's not like a, it's your brain just throwing stuff out there. But as you do it, like the first poem I wrote was awful. And the second poem I wrote was awful. But around 3000 poems, you start to get it together. And also by 3000 poems, you're like 25, 30, 35. And you know what? Life catches up with you. 
And all of a sudden, all that shit that you've experienced is actually like, hey, you have a career. <laughs> you know, that's that's it. To go back to your question. If you are, if first of all, if someone is experiencing mania in your family, just say, listen, like, I understand this is, this is, this is what I would say. And I'm a peer specialist, so I, I try and use I statements. If it was me and my brother was having a manic episode right now, first of all, I would talk to him. Let's have a conversation. What's it like for you right now? What are the, what are, what's scary about this? What, what's, what's happy about this? What do you enjoy about this? And then how, you know, and I'd, I'd say, look, I've been there, you know, let's just try and let's try and work with this. Like maybe we can get it down to hypomania. Maybe we can get it down to I'm sleeping at eight, you know, six hours a night, you know, but I'm, I'm waking up fully energized and you know what, I'm painting a picture and I'm, I'm writing some beautiful stuff. You know, maybe you can work towards that. I mean, question is why do people run to hospitals when hospitals do more harm than good? So <laughs> honestly, yeah, your, your family members having a tough time. I understand that. It's, it's, it's tough, right? I, I get it, you know, but I would say there's other options. Talk to a peer specialist, talk to a respite and a respite is basically led by peers. And I would say, don't go to the hospital because honestly, the hospital is only as therapeutic as the people at that hospital. And I didn't tell you my whole story, Samara, but I've had suicide attempts in hospitals and it's, it's not great. Sometimes being at the hospital is good for what it is. And then after that, it's destructive. It's hundred percent destructive. I agree. Yeah. So I don't know. I guess my advice would be, um, have a conversation and then explore alternatives Are there any to hospitalization. Particular triggers that they would look for. Um, and here's one other thing. One other thing. I would definitely advise against wellness checks. And I'll tell you why. Wellness checks are when a police officer comes to your house and says, is everything okay? And if you're in the midst of a, of a mania or a crisis, that can go really bad. That can go really, really bad. That can, that can result in arrests. That can result in deaths. That can result in forced hospitalizations. And that's not really the way. You, and, and then when you're, if, if you're, if your family member experiences that, they're going to, they're going to resent you. <laughs> I hate to say it, but wellness checks, when they're put on people, it's a, it's almost like a, a I don't know. It's like, I, you're scared of me. Like you're scared of me that you're, you're having a wellness check. So, um, I guess the, the signs very simple, um, sped up speech, you know, talking about i don't know sometimes like you're they're talking but they're like in a different universe like you know i'm just i'm just like in a different universe <laughs> uh and the third uh, maybe i shouldn't ask you for all of the signs because they're starting to resonate with, <laughs> me, with people in my family and the other... <laughs> so maybe, maybe maybe you shouldn't do yeah that. <laughs> right because right? i mean those people that you're talking about are probably very creative awesome people and mm -hmm. the, the thing is it's just when we do something out of line right? Out of line, out of society's norms. Yeah. Norms that that's when, that's when things happen. So it's like all of a sudden you try and save the world. It's like, no, you don't save the world just in one day. It takes time. <laughs> you know, you can't save the world in one day. You're not going to get on this. I don't know. Here's an example. You're not going to get, you're not going to drive to a radio station. Be like I got a great message, you know, and, and, and try and get on that radio. <laughs> Isn't that what podcasting's for? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There you go. Start a podcast. 
I don't know. Uh, I, you're not going to save the world in one day. It takes a long time to save the world. And if you try and do it one day, you'll get thrown in the hospital. So, Jason, I'm a huge DC comic Marvel fan. My son is yep. big into the comic world. And I was just wondering, should we have a superhero special? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> get some cool art for yeah. that, too. That'd be fun. Man, we could go on forever. So this is obviously tied to um, the CAM project in different ways because it's dealing with kids and teens who might be struggling in the same sense. And here at 15 years old, you started the Oddball magazine and back in 1995. That is pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, and you've kept it going this long. So I'm very proud of you. I don't know if your parents have said that at any time. I know they went you through a divorce, but I'm super proud of you. My Thank you so much. My, you know, my mom, she's just the other day, she said, you know, I can't believe how smart you are when you interview people. It's like, how do you do that? You have these great conversations. And, and she just said, I love you. And, you know, I have a great, I have a great relationship with my family. Um, you know, cause once you go through all that stuff, you, you know, either you experience things. Sink or swim. Yeah. Yeah. Sink or swim. Exactly. Yeah. She's very, very proud of what I'm doing with the foundation. And I don't know, uh, my family is very proud of me. You know, So I think it's good because there was a time when I wasn't so proud of myself. Actually, I was actually very, very much afraid of speaking up. And it wasn't until I became a peer specialist and learned to speak my story that really, man, once I found that there's a whole community of people who, who just can understand and relate to what I've experienced. And it's not preparing, it's not comparing war stories. It's just that it's just, you know, once, you know, if you said, here's an example, quick example, sir. say, say I broke my arm, right. And I broke my arm, my right arm. And you said, I broke my right arm. Oh my God, that's amazing. And then I said, I was snowboarding. I was skateboarding. Oh my God, that's so similar. Wow, that's amazing. You know what I mean? Do you, do you see what I'm saying? Like mm -hmm. the, the comparisons, um, or even if that person said, I was snowboarding, you know, like, wow, like that, I can relate to that. So when someone says, I wasn't sleeping for three days and then I had a suicide attempt or my, or my, my girlfriend broke up with me and, and I wanted to hurt myself so bad. I can say, yeah, I've been there. I actually can experience, I've experienced all of that. Mm -hmm. And that makes it so special, um, that connection. And that's one of the things I talked about earlier was getting involved with a peer specialist. And I absolutely think that that peer work and peer advocacy is the solution to mental health care currently. So I honestly think that my family appreciates what I've experienced. I appreciate what I've experienced, but it wasn't until I learned how to speak mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and write and, and share. And, and also <laughs> like oddball magazine and oddball publishing oddball show. It's like DIY. It's all DIY. It's like the, the, it's the whole idea of a zine, you know, oddball magazine basically was a zine. I mean, oddball magazine now is basically a zine and the foundation actually is creating zines. Uh, along with a, a whole bunch of other stuff. So it's all come full circle in a way. You're right. Like I was talking to Sasha and he was like, yeah, the zine is kind of like the podcast is like the modern day zine. Yeah. You know? Yeah, for sure. Nobody reads anymore. Right, right. But if you think about it, nobody reads the show notes. Yeah. <laughs> it's alternative media. Just re-listen to the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> it's alternative media. So like, yeah, I don't know. I think the podcast is, is a, a, a great art form. Um, to get your message out there. And I think that's, that's what you do. And I think that's what the CAM project, um, you know, is, is really trying to do and everything. So I think it's great. You know, it's interesting because your mission statement 
truly does reflect ours uh, with the CAM project. I mean, your mission statement is giving back to the community, promoting diversity and inclusion. When you go back and look at any of our information, it includes all of that. And we're advocating for kids and teens or even adults who, you know, some adults are just like a teen. <laughs> uh-huh. So it's not, you know, big kids, little kids, kids of all ages. I think that from listening to this podcast, it I had no idea what to expect. We hadn't really spoken yet before. We just had been DMing through Instagram. But I feel like there should be a partnership between the two nonprofits because you can help kids of all ages hone their artistic skills and have an outlet. Poetry, any type of writing workshops, art, whatever it may be, you have this brilliant way of using words, number one, and helping, I think, helping parents or any adult find the right words to say. Because I'll tell you, like, we just, my son is 17 and we just told him he had autism. He was on the autism spectrum a few months ago and he's had it since he was one. There's just so much with the mental health that you had said that there are so many negative connotations. And when he was diagnosed, the only thing we knew was Rain Man back in. 2004. So it was really hard. And we were in the Navy at the time and moving all the time. And it was really hard. And so I think it's brilliant. A lot of things that you said, number one, did resonate with me because the medication for the ADD, ADHD, and anxiety disorders. So interesting what you said about Ritalin, because I never had him on Ritalin. I was against it the whole time. And I, we always had him on things that had less of a side effect. And when we moved from Houston to Vancouver, British Columbia and Canada, they didn't have the drug he was on, Focalin for focus, and he had been on it for years. And so when we had to switch to the Canadian company and lose our U.S. insurance, we had to find something that had similar ingredients. And this nurse practitioner said he needs to be on Ritalin because that's the only thing that we have that will be close to the Focalin. I did not want to put him on it. I used up all I could with the samples we had from camp and all this with the Focalin once we got down to none of it. Um, We started it a couple weeks before school was starting, a brand new school. He went from being in a private school his whole life to a public school. And in Vancouver, in his school, it was about 70% Um, you know, Asian, which is not an issue at all. It's just the fact that many of them were in groups speaking in Mandarin and Cantonese. And so he didn't understand. And then the other kids had all gone to middle school or elementary school together. Sorry, in Canada, they don't have middle school. They go elementary is till grade seven, and then they go to high school. So you've got eighth graders mixed in with 12th graders. You have kids driving Maseratis and Lamborghinis and smoking cigarettes. And then you've got, you know, young little kids still there and going into their eighth grade. So it was really hard. And he developed vertigo and he had vertigo for over a year and it was paralyzing. It was awful. I mean, there were times I'd pick him up from school in the middle of the day because he would call me crying. The whole entire classroom is spinning. He would go outside and he'd be holding onto a light post because he could not get the world to stop spinning. And the doctors put him through all this um, astronaut testing and and space testing, all this kind of thing. Of course, we had, you know, ENTs and all the doctors that we met with first to rule out the obvious for vertigo. And in the end, the doctors, I switched doctors and the doctor said, this is all anxiety induced. You know, he was looking down on the ground. He didn't have any friends. Nobody was talking to him. And it was a very stressful situation and anxiety and depression and, you know, 
autism spectrum and all the things, bipolar, all of it, all the mental health is just, it's so powerful and it's amazing. I mean, I have anxiety induced seizure pass outs, you know, as well. It's amazing how powerful the body can be in the mind. We have to look out for each other. And Jason, I would be honored to have you as part of our team in some way. Um, I know we can figure it out. Absolutely. The CAMP Project is not about competing with other nonprofits. We're partnering with other nonprofits. We are a network. I have lots of friends who have amazing curriculums that they've been using for years for kidpreneurs and teenpreneurs and for all different aspects of what we're going for. I'm not looking to recreate their wheel. I want to work with them. I want to raise the money so that we can pay these nonprofits and these curriculums for these kids so that the families don't have to figure out how they're going to be able to afford to send their kid into a program such as the CAM Project's best partnership programs. And I think what you're doing with Oddball is amazing. And I want the CAM Project to be a part of it. I want us all to be a part of it. And my son does go to a school for kids on the autism spectrum with and with ADD, ADHD, and anxiety disorders, this private school that he goes to. And so many of these kids have tried to kill themselves. So many of them have been depressed and have horrible anxiety and COVID just, it's just destroying our youth. It's, it's, it's destroying the adults. So can you imagine what it's doing to the youth? I'm sure you're, you've come across a lot of that, I assume, with your organization. Uh, Samara, I, I lost a peer um, at, during, as a peer specialist, which uh, rocketed me, not rocketed me into a mania, but man, it, it had a lot to do with it. And I lost him to, uh, I would just say COVID-related depression. I, that's what I would call it. He uh, he took his life, and honestly, when that stuff happens, that's unreal. And and honestly, I don't think it would have happened in the pandemic. And I honestly think that kids, especially right now, are being affected by this pandemic. And I think that exactly one of the things that I think is important is that we th- we remember, you know, we all once were kids. All right, now think about you as a kid now think about you having to wear a mask you know six feet away from your friends on zoom and then afterwards you're playing video games and you're not going outside because you can't really go outside and there's no real organized sports so there's really like not much you can do i mean that's ripping your childhood totally in shreds you know so i absolutely think that yes i think that there's a silver lining and that there's uh you know an end of the tunnel you know idea and that, that the glass is half full but i honestly think that this last year and what's happening currently you know it, it really is destroying our children just i mean we're doing the best we can right but honestly there's this silent thing that's destroying our lives i uh, honestly i feel like what the cam project is trying to do you know and what oddball foundation is trying to do is so similar you know, and, and what's like Safe Coalition and all of these other nonprofits that, I, that I'm connecting with, we would love to collaborate. Absolutely. And if it can, you know, one idea that I was thinking of, Samara, getting the books in the hands of the student. Well, two things. Digital care packages is one thing I'm thinking about. And the other thing is art books and poetry composition books that have a message on it from the Oddball Foundation to give to like the youth centers around Massachusetts. And uh, some of the the schools, and if and and I would love to do that, just as that you know, hold on, like mm-hmm. with a with a nice message of hope, um, and and with the idea of you know, books not bombs, you know, write not fight, you know, that's the idea. So that was just one idea that I was I was thinking of, uh, you know, in, in in my head. So I honestly, I think that there's a lot that we can do together, and let's like. 
let's impact people in a positive way because there's so much negative things. And when I was talking about uh, podcasts as an alternative media, it really is um, like this is something that we're putting together real time right now. You know, this is what's what we're experiencing and people can experience this as well, you know, so. I don't know. I think that I would love to connect with you. I also think that that it's important to realize that, yeah, mental health is important, but also my message would be to not stigmatize, but I, I don't think it's about stigma at this point. I think it's about understanding and thinking of alternatives to medication and to hospitalization. Yeah. And, and that's why it's a blessing to have some of these schools that you can get scholarships for in some of the cities. Unfortunately, it's not in a lot of the cities, but there are schools for kids with mental health um, and they treat them as gifts. It's yeah. Kind of like the X-Men, but not really. Um, uh. So <laughs> I have so many ideas that I've written down of things that I want to do with you guys. Yes. We are like running out of time, but here's the deal. We're definitely going to do more of these together. I think we should just co-host a few. I think that'll be fun. We'll have to get the roadcaster out. Yeah. We took this into such a serious um, message today, but it was so important that we did it. And I have been staring at the light more than not during this, not to cry. <laughs> <laughs> don't cry, don't cry, don't cry. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's, Smear's keeping it together right now. Well, you're doing a great job. And, you know, I got to say, this is, this has been such a, such a pleasant interview. And honestly, it was so nice to just tell my story and just kind of, reminisce that yeah that's where i was and yeah things are still difficult you know i mean not, nothing's easy i still have difficulty just going outside sometimes but i i am so proud of myself i've done so much to get to where i am you know so just you having me on the show just to say look like you're appreciated the oddball foundation is appreciated oddball magazine and what, what you're trying to do is appreciated and we didn't even really talk about how dope of a magazine, Oddball Magazine, really is. I know. And there's it's like so many things that you we didn't talk about. That's what I'm saying. I think we need a part two. I, <laughs> I, think, I think we do need a part two. Yeah. And But why don't you um, tell everybody here how they can get in touch with you and read more about the Oddball Magazine and your podcast and all that. Well, thanks so much. You know what would be really great is if you were to check out the Oddball Foundation on oddballmagazine.com. I honestly think that we're really trying to do some great things by collaborations with the CAM Project and the Safe Coalition and, and some of the other nonprofits like the Miracle Project and, and all of the other ones that, you know, we've been trying to connect with. You know, I, I honestly think that the Oddball Foundation has three goals, okay? So one, it's to lessen the stigma and educate people about mental health. Two, it's about recognizing human rights and fighting for social justice. And three, it's about environmental preservation, reducing plastics and figuring out what's going on with our climate and all of the ocean issues that we are experiencing. Those are the passions that I have for the foundation. But while we're doing that, we're also putting together a badass poetry magazine. We're putting together an awesome podcast. We're putting together a, this amazing foundation full of amazing people. And you know, if you want to volunteer, I mean, we're all remote. So if you want to volunteer, please hit us up. Um, my email is uh, actually the email is team at oddballfoundation.org. And we're looking for all sorts of people to help us, um, our, our mission, you know, and we have a lot of stuff to do. We, you know, I mean, if it's not publishing, we're working on it's podcasting. If it's not that we're working on development or fundraising. And, and Samara, if anyone ever said starting a nonprofit is easy, Smack them in the face because it is not easy. <laughs> it is one of the hardest things I've ever done. But man, is it gratifying. 
You know, I mean, honestly, it's so gratifying to do something like this, but it's not easy. So I guess my message, um, my check out, um, I'm on Clubhouse, first of all. We have the Oddball Foundation uh, group on Clubhouse. Uh, and I'll just real quick, uh, at Oddball Magazine is uh, most of my handles. And really, if you want to know what's going on with us, connect with us, team at oddballfoundation.org. Become a part of our foundation and let's affect change together. You know, me, you, Cam Project, X-Men, Wolverine, (laughs) 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 you know, all those, you know. Frost. (laughs) Let's bring them all in. You know, so um, we're going to we're going to do a lot. We're superheroes for Halloween every year. We, we've we got Batman, Supergirl, Wonder Woman. Uh, I've been Black Widow, nice. Iron Man. We bring nice. it. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'll have to go. You, you can go back in my history of photos on Facebook and see all the costumes. So my favorite, my favorite, uh, I, I did a hybrid once and, and it was Fat Albert Einstein. That was my favorite. That's awesome. I love that. <laughs> You're so creative. I wish I was creative like you. Well, I think the big message here is you know, be part of the most badass literary magazine you can be in and exactly go check out Abba magazine and the website so you can submit your art and be part of that. Yeah. And also I want you, I'm going to challenge you right now in partnership with the cam project. I want you to help me find the artists and the poets, um, the writers who are under the age of 20. So 19 and younger, since this is for teens and kids um, let's create a book just for them. And that's a cam project oddball magazine book. And we'll sell that baby and we'll put it in our secret surprise subscription boxes. Absolutely. Check out Thursdays, uh, uh, sign up for our newsletter. If you go to oddballmagazine.com and we'll have a call for submissions for that. I hope you all caught that. I'm going to definitely make Jason, um, re-listen to this in show notes <laughs> so we can get all of this in show notes for you. Um, but help them, uh, with their calls and don't forget to recycle. That sounds like that's the other part of it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for having me on the show. What a blast. Thank you. Oh my God. It was so, it was so great. It was fun. It was sad. It was eye opening. It It's definitely teaching me as a parent of a child with gifts that I need to refocus and always remember that it is a gift and it is. We're doing the best we can with that as well and helping other families and individuals out there. Jason Wright from the Oddball Magazine the Oddball Podcast, the Oddball Foundation. There's nothing odd about this guy. He's fabulous. I love him. He's already my adopted brother. It's done. Once you're in my family, you don't get out. (laughs) Oh, awesome. So thanks for joining us today on the CamCast, which is the adult version of CamCast Kids, which is the kids version. And be sure to uh, listen to our message after this so that you all know how you can get onto the CamCast, CamCast Kids. Check us out at thecamproject.org. Thank you, Jason. And thank you, everybody else, for listening. Have a lovely day. Thank you for listening. We would love to consider your kid or teen as a potential guest on CamCast Kids, hosted by the Cam Project co-founder, kidpreneur Ava Hurley, and friends. Also accepting applications for parents, educators, specialists, and entrepreneurs on the CamCast. Visit thecamproject.org to apply. Remember to follow our podcasts and find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube.